Welcome to another edition of the OK Preps Extra Podcast. I'm Patrick Prince, joined as always by our high school sports editor, Barry Lewis. Barry, always good to be with you. Um, I thought we might uh, break down the draft a little bit. It was it was a really cool draft uh, for Tulsa area kids. And I just, I've said this before to you, I just, I love it when the, the kids we've kind of seen grow up uh, in a way, you know, at the high school level, uh, go on, sometimes they go on to college and we never hear from them again or whatever. But, you know, we got three that are coming off the top of my head anyway that, that were picked in the draft um, from the Tulsa area. Um, so I just thought it was kind of cool. Like when you, I mean, when you saw like a, an Isaiah Thomas from Memorial or a Malcolm Rodriguez from Wagner, did did you know going back, Barry, that you know you might be looking at future pros one day? With Isaiah Thomas, I thought there was a shot, although the odds were against him, considering that Memorial hasn't had or didn't until he was drafted last week, didn't have a draft choice since Randy Hughes was drafted by the Dallas Cowboys in 1975, and that is so long ago that I remember going to a, a, a football clinic that he conducted when I was just a youngster. So that's how long ago that is. So, um, but anyway, hopefully Isaiah can uh, have a long career in the NFL and can uh, win a Super Bowl like Randy did with the Dallas Cowboys. So hopefully Isaiah will have, a, has a bright future. I remember Isaiah mainly as a basketball player. Yes, he was yeah. definitely made an impact on the football field, but uh, he probably made more of an impact in high school as a basketball player, just because Memorial's football teams just didn't go very far, and yet the basketball teams are state title contenders every year. So uh, Isaiah Thomas was a really excellent basketball player. Would have been interesting to see what he would have done as a basketball player, but I think things have turned out pretty well for him, so it was great to see him drafted. Um, as far as Malcolm Rodriguez, um, an all-world, a past all-world awards athlete of the year, yep. male athlete of the year. I just remember for so long. Um, I mean, I don't, I can't say that I uh, projected him as an NFL player, but I thought he'd be, have a really good college career. And it drove me crazy when for so long at Wagner, uh, he, he wasn't on anybody's radar. It's like, what, what are they, how can they miss him? I mean, he was just a winner in so many sports. And so it was really frustrating to not see him get more attention, but it all worked out in the end, obviously. Uh, Oklahoma State uh, finally signed him. And then, of course, now he's on the way to the NFL. So just that's just fun to see. And, of course, uh, um, hopefully uh, he can um, have a long career as well. So that, that's really exciting to see players that we've covered on the high school level and uh, we've honored. Mm-hmm achieve this success. I mean, that's really big time to be an NFL draft choice, even if you do nothing else to be an NFL draft choice. I mean, that's really neat. You know, you you get to talk to these kids, Barry, and kind of get to know them to a certain degree, the coaches as well. But for someone like myself, who all I do is maybe watch a couple of games and read all the stories that we write, uh, it's really exciting when I got a chance to meet some of these kids when they come in for the all-world process. Unlike the last couple of years, we used to bring him in in person and we talked to him and kind of get to know him a little bit. And I remember, uh, and even at the award show, kind of talking to him a little bit. And I got a chance to talk to Malcolm and just became a real big fan of his. At our, that was our first Our World Awards, right, with Malcolm? I believe so, yes. Yeah, he was just 
really nice kid and humble and warm. And I remember trying to track him down to do a Facebook live with you. And I had to interrupt his dinner. And he was, I was like, he was sitting with the whole family. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is such a rude thing to do. But he was so nice. And he's like, yeah, yeah, sure. And he got up and he he joined you and Mike Brown. So kind of been rooting for Malcolm ever since. Just seems like a really classy, good kid. Which, yes, he's easy to root for. Easy to root for. Yeah, which a lot of the kids that we meet are, you know. But yeah, I just remember him particularly standing out that year. Um, let's talk about Dax Hill. We've kind of, you know, we're, we're the, the first rounder of the bunch. Um, I assume maybe he's more of a guy you saw back in the day that this was his inevitable track. Fair? Yes, I think uh, we all, many of us projected him to be, he was going to be drafted by the NFL someday. I don't know. I don't know if I could say I projected him as a first round draft choice, but uh, I thought definitely that he had a lot of potential to be playing pro football one day. And uh, of course, uh, he he's going to, what a situation that he's moving into <laughs> with the Bengals. And right. he's going to be joining his, and uh, so now we've got the Hill brothers mm -hmm. uh, being in the NFL. So that's really neat. You have any good Dex Hill stories from the day? I just remember that I thought he was underutilized. It's not a criticism because he's the second guess. I just wish, especially his senior year, that he would have been utilized more on offense because it seemed like every time he touched the ball on offense, and it wasn't much. Mm -hmm. Then he scored a touchdown. I mean, something dynamic was going to happen whenever he touched the ball in offense. I mean, it was pretty incredible. I mean, as good a defensive player as he is and was, I thought he was just electric, too, on offense. I was like, I want to get him the ball more. <laughs> so, Barry, we're a couple of weeks beyond the all-world and all-state process for uh, our latest rounds of, of selections. Um, any any feedback from readers or anything that you, you maybe missed or any are you questioning any of your decisions now that you're kind of a few weeks removed from it or you still still feel good about the team? I think we feel good with all our all world selections and the uh, all basketball all world and all state selections. Haven't really heard much criticism. I and uh, that's always a good sign. <laughs> Sound of silence sometimes. Uh, I've. And I think I have found this out through the years, and I'm glad our former boss, Mike Strain, had to start doing this with our all-world and all-state selections, especially all-state, had, uh, had us write or had me write a column to go with the selections because that, in a lot of cases, um, answers questions people might have on why so-and-so wasn't selected. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, that's a big help. So ever since I started doing that, um, don't have as many questions because it's all answered in that column that goes with it. Yeah. So uh, big week for the next couple of weeks, Barry, with uh, high school spring sports championships. Once you kind of just touch a little bit on what's coming and where some, and where some of our coverage might be directed. Yes, we've got, uh, it's a whirlwind in the next week and a half or so, um, ending on March, May 14th. Hopefully that is if uh, weather doesn't mm -hmm. extend things, which sometimes it does. So uh, of course we've got state championships in golf, girls this week, boys next week. And then we've got tennis, uh, sort of same situation as golf. Uh, 
Then we've got um, smaller school track meets this week, large schools next week. Got baseball regionals this week, state tournaments next week. And then um, we have soccer, of course. Um, their playoffs are starting this week and uh, they will culminate in the state finals on May 13th and 14th. So it's just a whirlwind of activity as we in, head towards the end of the high school sports season. And of course, right when that ends, the next one officially starts. I mean, there's no rest at all because spring football drills go at start uh, for most teams the Monday after the state championship, after the Saturday, the state championships end. So you've got one day rest and then you've got the next school year starting with spring football. But so of course, it's PGA Championship Week too. I was going to say that. So, so spring football starts the week after the PGA. Is that the no? That? Spring football starts the week of the PGA. The week of wow. Official spring football. Yeah. Wow. Well, speaking of the PGA, Barry, you've been doing kind of a, a looking back at your memories of attending majors at Southern Hills. You've seen quite a few of them. Um, and a little sneak peek at the one that's going to be in tomorrow's paper. The favorite one you've seen at Southern Hills is the 01 Open. Why don't you kind of tell us why? Just because it was so competitive from start to finish. That was a big plus for me. I like tournaments where there's suspense. Unfortunately, there have been several of the majors, Southern Hills, where the guys got off to an early lead and then just coasted to victory. To me, that's not a lot of fun. Well, unless maybe if Tiger Woods did it, but I would still like to see Tiger uh, be tested. Uh, and he was to an extent in 07. It wasn't like a total blowout, but I like some suspense going to the final holes. And uh, in 2001, there was a, it was pretty compact every day. I mean, no one ever broke loose. And then in addition to that, you had um, the weather for the first, it was the most comfortable. Yeah, it got into the low 90s, but for the most part, it was the most comfortable of all the majors. It wasn't like a total blast furnace, mm -hmm. and uh, that helped. And um, there was just a lot of interesting things. Hale Irwin had a great first round at the age of 56. Uh, that was fun. And from, uh, and then so from a personal standpoint, it was the only, I don't include this in the memories, but this was the only time that I got to play uh, Southern Hills, the course of a Southern Hills major uh, just a few weeks before the major. So as a uh, 18 to 20 handicapper myself, that was a real thrill to get to experience just a little bit of what the, the golfers were going to experience at the US Open. And as an 18 to 20 handicapper, I would usually cringe if I score in triple figures, but that was the best 105 I ever shot. And, uh, and again, I mean, it was, we tried to play it as close to real golf as you could there, but we weren't playing from the championship tees. Now, none of us would have finished. I probably would have shot 150 if I was doing that. But I mean, they were playing from a, a good length of tees. And uh, I remember 18, just overall, the greens were fast. But I remember thinking these, and I expected them to be, but then they were saying, oh, they're going to be a lot faster when the tournament is held. And uh, I think uh, you saw what happened. And I remember 18 green thinking, that's, that's fast enough right now. And they got faster. And, of course, 
the big discussion was uh, what happened on the 72nd hole on the green as St. Brooks and Goosen all had their uh, putting misadventures. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so that, which That's made a good, it way to, good way to put it, Barry. To me, it, was really, it made it really memorable. Some people just cringe and think it's just ugly and they put it, and that's why they want to rank this, that major as the worst of the majors at Southern Hills. No, it was like, that was part of the excitement. And we got to, even though it was anticlimactic, get to experience an 18-hole playoff the next day. And uh, it was just, a, I just enjoyed that tournament very much in a lot of different ways. Well, I think maybe that's what I like most about what you wrote, is that you, you kind of lend some perspective of like it, it was a competitive tournament and a playoff and people sometimes get hung up on what happened on the you know 72nd hole but other than that it was some great some great competition as, as you as you pointed out it was a memorable finish <laughs> well, I have a memorable finish and That's right. that, was, that was pretty much I mean the finishes have not been the final hole has not really been um like except for that really a super exciting finish the closest that compares to that, it's the 77 U.S. Open when Hubert Green had a four-foot putt mm -hmm. to win the championship by one stroke. And But to put that in perspective, you think, oh, four feet, big deal. Well, in the, among those leaders, two of the three final leaders in the 2001 Open missed putts that were shorter than that on 18. <laughs> so uh, can't take anything for granted, that's for sure. But uh, I just enjoyed the 2001 U.S. Open a lot, as well as all the majors that have been there. All right, we're going to have plenty of time to, to talk about this and, and break this down. But while we're on the topic, what do you expect out of Tiger from the PGA? Assuming he plays, assuming he's as healthy as, as he can be, uh, what, what do you expect out of him? Never want to count Tiger out. Uh, I think he will fare well. I'm not going to pick him to win, but uh, – I'll take the field against Tiger, but uh, although I would not count him out, but I think he'll probably wind up, maybe it'll be like in 2001, he finishes like tied for 12, something like that, which would be right. a heck of an effort. I mean, considering right, no what he had to overcome. Yeah, no doubt about it. All right, Barry, great stuff. We'll catch up next week. All right, thanks, Patrick. All right.